Hey, Leaf Lovers, welcome back to the Work Sesh Podcast, the podcast where we interview women who are taking up space in the industry. Cannabis equals opportunity, and our guests will cover a range of occupations from dispensary sales to hemp fashion, CBD wellness, and everything in between. Where there is money to be made and glass ceilings to break, we will be there. Okay, ladies, now let's get in rotation. I'm your host, Victoria Margarita, leaf lover and wannabe cannabis entrepreneur. Joining me today is Shada, co-founder of Restart CBD and host of the To Be Blunt podcast. Shada is a marketing expert, public speaker, and a cannabis advocate. She's been featured as a keynote speaker at leading CBD conferences and contributes to publications and podcasts, spreading her decades of expertise in marketing and cannabis to the masses. She started Restart CBD with her sisters and opened up shop in Austin, Texas. As you'll learn in this episode, building an anything cannabis-related business in a state like Texas is difficult, constantly changing, and requires impeccable knowledge of the industry to navigate. We chat about the resistance CBD still faces from consumers, the power of podcasting, and share tips on how to trailblaze the industry as a woman. Get ready to take notes with this one. Without further ado... Let's sesh. Welcome to the Work Sesh podcast, Shada. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk about all things cannabis and answer some questions. Yes, let's jump right in. Go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us a little about your background and what made you want to jump into the CBD game with your brand, Restart CBD. Yes, so my name is Shada Tarabi. I am born and raised in Texas. So before everybody kind of, you know, starts to boo Texas, uh, you know, my state is not perfect and we're certainly nowhere near uh, opportunity when it comes to cannabis. But if you would have asked me, geez, five years ago, if I would have seen myself professionally working in the cannabis industry in my home state, I would have literally laughed out loud. But I live to tell another story another day and I'm proud to be the CEO and co-founder of Restart CBD. So a little bit about my story. Born and raised in Texas, we already covered that, but grew up with a very open-minded family to where I grew up going to, my aunt and uncle have a house in Colorado, so I was very fortunate to kind of grow up going into Colorado's marketplace, especially as I was tracking their legalization efforts. And so I like literally remember um, some of my first trips being like, we got to go to Denver, I got to go buy legal weed. And so getting to go experience very early on what that process was like, transacting, seeing products on the shelves and things like that. So I've always been a marijuana consumer, very big lover of the plant, but my transition into getting into the business side of it definitely stems from a personal story, a personal incident. Um, Prior to getting into cannabis, I also worked professionally in technology. I did tech for a startup at the time. I was an early employee and scaled with that company for many years, for about six years, doing everything from product marketing to partner marketing to event marketing, brand marketing, and really leaned into all my passions surrounding marketing. And it was while I was at that company that I was in a car accident. I was actually hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian and I broke my pelvis in two places. And 
that story is so critical in my journey, not only because it really introduced me to CBD, but because it really started putting me in a position of understanding beyond just the culture of cannabis, like actually truly the medicinal properties of the plant, as well as seeing cannabis as medicine. And so the timeline a little bit, you know, was... I was in the accident in 2015 and my mother didn't introduce CBD to me right away. But again, having this really open-minded family, my parents were really aware of my use of marijuana, you know, in legal states, of course, but, um, I, I didn't really see any application with it from a medicinal perspective. It definitely made me feel better. I'm not going to, you know, discredit that I had better sleep, better rest, but I didn't understand different consumption methods. I didn't understand different cannabinoids. I didn't really understand what the hell my cannabinoid system was. And so being in this accident, that wasn't necessarily my first course of action either, right? It was just like, yeah, I'm gonna continue smoking weed where I can, but I'm gonna do traditional Western medicine. And so I did traditional Western medicine. I went to my doctor, he prescribed opioids. I went to physical therapy. I was getting steroid injections and did that for about eight months post accident. And it wasn't until I had to go back to my doctor because I was still in so much chronic pain. Um, at this time I was in my mid twenties. So otherwise like all relatively healthy other than just now having this debilitating chronic pain that my pelvis and my hip would just flare up if I stood on the wrong surface, sat on the wrong surface, uh, stood too long and trying to, you know, navigate, well, how do I take care of myself? And obviously it's no secret when you're on prescription medicine, it can sometimes over uh, complicate your system, meaning you might feel less pain, but you're doped up and you're really out of it. And so it's hard to find this balance of how do I stay coherent as well as taking care of my pain. And so for me, that was really an unfortunate journey I had to go through to ultimately come to the realization of like, wow, cannabis is so multifaceted. There's so many aspects to this plant. And so, yeah, my mother is the one who introduced me to CBD eight months post accident and just suggested it because she had heard some good things about it. But like to put it in perspective, this was 2016. So hemp didn't become legal until 2018. So we as a family became very familiar with it. My mom was literally making me homemade formulations, homemade concoctions, topicals, sublinguals. I was like, you're crazy. Again, I smoke weed all the time. Like, what are you doing? (laughs) And she was like, no, I really think you need to try CBD. I really think you need to try this and just like see what happens. What's the worst that can happen? And I'm a firstborn uh, daughter of three children and my dad's an immigrant. So like, I'm very revering of my parents. Like if my mom says do something, I'm like, yes, ma'am. Like I will be there. I will do it. And so, um, kind of blindly trusted my mom leaning into CBD, but nobody was talking about it. There was no resource, no education for me to go learn from, to get a better understanding again of like how CBD was working, even going into Colorado as frequently as I was, there were no education um, conversations happening around different cannabinoids or again, different consumption methods or even terpenes for that fact. It was like, weed is legal, buy weed. And I really relate to that experience of just really not knowing much about this plant that I grew up consuming. And so I was really fortunate my mom interjected at the time that she did. We became a family who really started to believe in CBD, but because there was a lack of resources, we 
started educating ourselves. And so very subtly and slowly, my family started getting on board with CBD. My sister, I have three, uh, three siblings, including myself. So I'm the oldest. And then my middle sister is a former university of Texas collegiate athlete. And she's currently an under armor sponsored athlete. So my sister grew up in a much different light than I did, meaning she was getting drug tested all the time and could lose her scholarship if she was caught with drugs in her system. And so she very much did not want to pursue cannabis as a recreation nor medicine because there was no understanding around it. But when she saw me starting to heal myself from CBD, we really started to see the effects of, oh, CBD is an anti-inflammatory. Oh, CBD for athletic recovery, which now in 2021 is like such a prevalent topic. Everybody's talking about CBD and cannabis for recovery and inflammation and things like that. But again, in 2016, that was so new. Nobody really spoke like that. And so we, as a family, just started to adopt these practices, adopt this education that um, ultimately I was working for another company my position kind of had shifted and changed and I was looking for kind of the next thing to do, but I had no intention of going into the CBD market because at the time there was no legal CBD market. Hemp would not legalize until 2018 at a federal level and 2019 in the state of Texas. And we launched our brand in August of 2018. So a couple months before federal legalization. So to say that we anticipated this is really naive because we didn't know that CBD was going to become federal federally legalized. It was just kind of a right place, right time. My family really stepping up and emerging out of the shadows to speak about this plant and these, uh, these minor cannabinoids or, you know, CBD at the time, not being minor, but just CBD and now CBG, CBN, CBC, all these minor cannabinoids, bringing these conversations to really, it started with our community. I had no intention of building a national brand, um, doing e-commerce, shipping my products across state lines, but, um, we just celebrated three years in business last August. So a couple months ago, we were just voted the number one CBD brand by a couple local publications here in town. And I think we've found success in this market because we've really risen to the occasion of putting the customer first and really educating the customer in a really constantly evolving industry. And so it's been a wild journey, a wild ride. I am so grateful to be getting to have a front row seat to helping my state change their cannabis laws. But yeah, we've gone through a lot in Texas over the past couple years, just in terms of hemp's legalization to we went through a smokable ban a couple months ago. We're now dealing with some Delta 8, um, you know, conspiracy kind of different rules and interpretations of the laws and effects and things like that. So as everybody probably who's listening is aware, cannabis varies state to state and even city to city. And so Texas is no different. And so it's just kind of understanding what the current laws are and learning how to play effectively and legally with with the regulations. But yeah, really enjoying it. Family-owned, sister-owned brand. Super grateful to be here. And and really, we hang our hat on being true educators in the industry. Amazing. Well, congratulations on three years. That's awesome. Thanks. And all the recognition you've gotten so far. Um, and like we said off air, it, you're trailblazing in Texas. I was telling Shada that I'm pretty sure she's the first person I've had on the podcast who lives in an unlegalized state. So it's very interesting to me from California to hear about the restrictions um, that happen over there. It's wild. Yeah, we are like, again, if you would have asked me if I would have seen 
hemp legalizing at a federal level and then distilling down into a state level five years ago, I, I literally would have laughed. And now to be here, we are so much farther along than I would have imagined Texas to be. So I don't think um, recreation or true medical is in the near future, but it is something actively that our state is working on and through a lot of people's joint efforts. I'm just one of many who is helping to get to champion cannabis in Texas, but we're doing it y'all. So yeehaw. Yes. I think eventually they'll want some of that good green tax money. Eventually girl, they're, they're going to want it. They're going to want it. <laughs> we're now like being surrounded by like every other state. Like Louisiana has a I'm going to say a more advanced medical program. It's not any better than Texas is. So you got Louisiana and Texas, like, I don't know, but Oklahoma, so freaking open. You have New Mexico, Arizona, much more open. And so it's, uh, it's going to happen eventually, but yeah, until then we're enjoying it and having a blast, just getting to help change Texans minds about cannabis, um, starting through the education of, you know, obviously hemp and CBD first and foremost. Yeah. Step-by-step process. It'll get there. So CBD, a lot of people have doubts about the benefits of CBD or just don't see the point of using it if it doesn't get you high. I had a bud tender at a dispensary recently tell me there was no point in it. No, that was basically a placebo. Wow. Have you experienced this reaction? Why do you think there's such a resistance to CBD? I was appalled. Okay. I'm appalled <laughs> for you. That is so freaking crazy considering, yes, we have more research to be done on all these cannabinoids, but I do believe there is efficacy with CBD. I believe there's efficacy with any cannabinoid that is naturally occurring in the cannabis plant. How to digest this and kind of articulate my thoughts. Um, You know, I'll frame it this way to start. It's really interesting because you have an interesting shift right now. And I was just talking to this with a friend earlier today. So it's fresh on my mind. You have states like California, obviously, where you're existing, where medical cannabis has been around for a while. And then you have the introduction of recreation and all of that predates hemp's legalization. So when you're dealing with hemp, which is anything classified as less than 0.3% delta 9 THC or marijuana, anything that's over 0.3% delta 9 THC, some argue it's the same plant. There's just different THC percentages. Some equate it to hemp versus marijuana. I call it all just cannabis. So it's, you know, obviously different degrees of how you break it down. But the reality is CBD is present in both of the versions of the plant. So I think my naivety was when I was getting introduced to CBD, the assumption of like, why would I need CBD? Because I have THC. Part of that lack of understanding is when you're smoking a joint or eating an edible that might be full spectrum based, because there are some products that are just the extraction of that cannabinoid, right? But let's say just generically speaking, you're getting a conglomeration of cannabinoids and terpenes and flavonoids. You're not just getting THC. That effect that you're feeling is not just because you have THC. I would argue it's a little bit, you know, driven by THC and more driven by those other cannabinoids and terpenes that in conjunction give you that effect. Why something might make you feel uplifted, something might make you feel more sleepy. And so kind of going back to my analogy, it's interesting. You have states like California compared to Texas where hemp and the introduction of CBD from a market perspective came after this established THC market. And in Texas, you have the adverse. We don't have 
recreation. We barely have medical. And so instead you have a legal hemp market. So definitely I think the shots start getting fired when hemp became legal. Like I said, I have a lot of friends in Denver. I split literally half my time in Colorado and I remember going to one of my friends who's a bud tender at a medical marijuana facility and being like, hey, I'm, I'm starting a CBD business. Because at the time, I'm not going to lie, when I started taking CBD, it was hard to like place it in the market because it's like, how do you talk about this? Is this like a lesser potent THC? Like what actually is this? What are the effects of it? How does it differentiate? And so I'm not going to lie, like there was definitely like naivety on my part too going into differentiating these different cannabinoids. But having these friends who kind of like scoffed at it at first too, were just like, oh, we like have fun with CBD in Texas. Like you'll never see it in Colorado. Joke's on them because now what do you see? In every state, there is an adoption of ratioed products. There is more emphasis around full spectrum. You see more education around these different cannabinoids and that is being brought into the dispensary. And so I just think Texas is in an interesting position. I almost argue our lack of a legal market has helped create more education and awareness that you're seeing bleed into the legal marijuana market because we had to start with these lesser known cannabinoids and really educate ourselves versus again, the theory of just like weed is legal. So I'm going to buy weed and maybe it comes in a pretty package with this brand and maybe it comes with a cheaper price with this brand. But at the end of the day, weed is legal and that's what you're buying. I think the legalization of hemp really opened up more education for maybe I don't want to get high. Maybe I want to just feel more relaxed, more sedated, get a better night's rest. I think a big question that I had to confront myself with early on too, to kind of, you know, address this, this topic, this question, if I take CBD, do I not take THC? Or if I take THC, do I not take CBD? What if I want to take another cannabinoid? How does that all fit in? And, you know, then I didn't really have a good answer. Now, 2021, end of the year, I use all of it. And I am so knowledgeable and educated. And I'll caveat that with there is always more education to be learned. So I don't want anybody to misinterpret my statement as she knows everything because she doesn't. But I know enough that I know personally my body loves some CBD at the end of the day for a different reason than why my body loves the psychoeffective effects of THC. And because I understand different cannabinoids, I now understand different consumption methods. I understand different doses. I'm able to create the experience that I know will work with my body best. And I only can hope and wish and educate that everybody will get to that confidence with cannabis to explore freely, to understand maybe you start your day with a one-to-one -one ratio just to balance you out. Maybe you're going to smoke your joint like this is me. Um, you know, a couple months ago we were in Colorado and I was able to get a joint legally, right? So I had cannabis on me, but then I had also, we were staying in like a really cool Airbnb that had a bathtub and I knew we were gonna do a lot of hiking. So I also wanted to have a CBD bath bomb. I enjoyed a CBD bath bomb while smoking my THC joint. To me, they apply in your body differently. And so it's really getting that understanding of, again, how do these cannabinoids function, not just scientifically or through the chemistry on paper, but how do they function in my body? And the only way you're going to experience that is to try products. The hard part I think consumers have a difficult time navigating is quality, right? When you're buying marijuana products, you have some protection. I know that it's very, um, I don't want to be rude, but I also want to be, you know, truthful 
there's a lot of manipulation that happens in the legal marijuana market as well. So you do have more assurance that the products that you are purchasing are quality tested, quality assured. If it says it's 10 milligrams, it's gonna be 10 milligrams versus in the hemp market, even though it is federally legal, it's a little bit of a crapshoot. I'm sure you've observed. Everybody sells CBD. Oh, yeah. I'm seeing it on Amazon. I have so many customers over the years who bring products to me and they're saying, I bought this at the grocery store. I bought this on Amazon. I bought this at the farmer's market. You know, what's actually in it? And so we do, again, from an educational perspective, we do a lot of educating customers on just how to read labels, how to do the math of how many milligrams is in your product versus what's the milliliter of your bottle. You know, that basic information was not taught to me as a marijuana consumer, both in an illicit market and in a recreational market. I learned that through the, the you know, legality of the hemp industry, really opening up my purview into hey, you know, this plant is so much more than just THC. And so being able to articulate that and have that conversation with customers, especially who in our world come into our dispensary in Austin and they are looking for a targeted effect, I get the pleasure of now, you know, articulating to them, hey, if you're looking for something maybe a little bit more relaxing, it's not maybe the amount of THC that's in this product, but maybe it's actually the terpenes. You know, did you know terpenes actually have effects that can contribute to the overall experience that you feel when you consume cannabis? So maybe that joint that you're smoking in Colorado or California makes you feel really sleepy because you think that it has 20% THC. That might be the case, but also it might be really heavy in linalool. And so being able to replicate that through educating customers hey, you like this experience with this product, well, maybe it's not the THC count, maybe it's a combination of the cannabinoids, but also the terpenes. And so, yeah, that's crazy that that bud tender said that. I don't think, um, obviously not, there, there's just not enough education to go around and there's not enough um, research that's been done to properly kind of squash some of these effects um, that people are, you know, feeling or believing or, sharing. And it's kind of unfortunate because I believe that everybody should have access to cannabis and everybody should be able to find an experience with cannabis that fits their needs. It's not my right to say everybody needs THC in their body. You might not for personal reasons, medical reasons, religious reasons. And if you can find relief with CBD or another cannabinoid, um, and that makes you a believer in the cannabis plant, then like, like praise be all day long. And that's what I strive for is helping people educate to understand the multitudes of dimensions and dynamics of this plant and realize that cannabis can be for everyone. Um, everyone's doses are different. Everyone's cannabinoid, uh, you know, combination might be different, but yeah, if it's naturally occurring in the cannabis plant, there's efficacy hundred percent. So that guy needs to listen to this podcast episode. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> that's the part that bothered me the most. Like I get, you took 10 milligrams of CBD one time and didn't feel anything because he's probably like a heavy smoker. Like you need to get find your dose of CBD, first of all. But you're working at a dispensary and you're supposed to be an educator. And so to just blatantly be like, oh, that's a placebo. There's like no point in it was just eye roll, like the biggest eye roll. I was like, wow. Yeah, it's really hard. I think, um, fortunately, the more I submerge myself in the industry, the more I have to get really sharp and aware of people's agendas and who they work for and what they're pushing and what they're selling. I mean, I don't know this guy. I don't know what dispensary. Obviously, that's not important or relevant, but you can start to, you know, see certain groups 
might be pro or against certain things if it affects their business or their bottom line. And so I always try to rise above maybe that perspective and question a little bit more and poke holes and dig a little bit deeper. And I think that's really how you're going to flesh out some of this misinformation. And so I just encourage anybody with CBD products, hemp products, marijuana products in general, the only way you're going to learn is to ask questions. And I think that there's a lot of great free resources out there. Obviously your podcast being one of them, other great resources I love. Oh my gosh. Leafly has an amazing catalog of information about cannabinoids and terpenes. And just having that baseline understanding helps make me empowered when someone maybe says a comment like, Hey, CBD might be a placebo effect. One, again, I know personally how it works in my body, but I only know how it works in my body because of what you just articulated. Did I try a product that maybe I bought from not the best source? Okay, maybe I'll question, you know, what was the quality of that? Or, hey, I took 10 milligrams. Did I ever try 20 milligrams or 40 milligrams or 100 milligrams of CBD? Just taking it one time or with one brand or one dose to me doesn't build a case. And so I do think that people need to give more space to exploring all cannabis. I mean, it's so remarkable, even my own cannabis journey in general. I mean, I very much grew up being a heavy smoker and loved, you know, hitting the bong and smoking joints and hitting my pipes and cleaning my pipes and scrubbing my pipes for that, you know, kind of resin trace weed jumble that was like stuck with like a hairpin. I'm like scraping out of it. And that was just because like I didn't have access to options Now we live in a marketplace where there's options, there's different consumption methods, there's different brands. And I always encourage people like, ask the brand that you're buying questions from questions or ask the brand that you're buying CBD from rather questions, like engage with them on Instagram or even marijuana brands, engage with them, ask questions, ask the bud tender to kind of point out some details. And, you know, again, you can't control everybody's experience, meaning like, I don't think every bud tender is going to have the magic, you know, Sherpa storytelling journey to get you to that next level. But I do really want to stress, I think consumers need to take a little bit of that ownership on themselves and continue to do the research, like figure out what, what is my body like ultimately? And that's kind of, you know, again, the message I try to help our customers connect the dots on. Yeah. You make a really good point about, you know, he's at a dispensary trying to sell weed so he's not he's just not trying to push cbd because whatever he's there for that because i don't know that's why i had learned from another guest on the podcast paisley um from peach honey her cbd pre-rolls can't be sold in dispensaries Mm -hmm. because basically because the taxing of the legal cbd and then the it's the tax differences is just too um complicated for it's just easier to have all THC products or all CBD products because of whatever how that works I can't articulate it perfectly because I'm not 100% sure but I know it's something to do with the way it's charged Um, and so that's what I was asking him because I was looking at the can drinks oh I love it yeah and I'm pretty sure they have a CBD one too and so I was like oh do you have that one and then that's when he was just like why would you need that it's CBD is even more infuriated. (laughs) Like a couple things. One, from my understanding, and this does range state from state, but kind of, you know, my high level understanding from the subject is 
if you are a marijuana dispensary and you want to sell CBD products, that CBD has to be marijuana derived and not hemp derived. So it depends where your source is. So if you are selling a pre-roll that is hemp derived, and this is the caveat, do you want to play in the marijuana market or do you want to play in the legal like national hemp market. So using can as an example, I actually had them on my podcast and they were telling me their milligrams are so low dose. So all their products from my knowledge have THC and CBD in them. They're very low doses. They're a microdose product, but the federal law for hemp says less than 0.3% Delta nine by weight. So by weight, it kind of equals out to that many milligrams of THC that they have. But I asked her, I was like, if your product has the quote unquote federal legal amount from a hemp perspective and you have CBD in your product, why don't you just make a hemp drink and with the trace amounts of THC and market it legally that way? And they were like, no, we don't want to be in that category. We want to be in the dispensary category. And so they made the decision to derive their CBD from hemp. So there is some distinguish around where it's derived and then how you can sell that product. So even though it is low dose, it still has to go through certain channels. Um, but that's crazy that he was even like saying that comment to like such a low amount of CBD either. Like what? Well, see, the answer that you just gave me is what I was looking for him to give me. Cause I was just looking for more information, you know, off of what Paisley had told me. Cause I was like, oh, that's so interesting. Cause I didn't know that. And so I was yeah. asking him to see if he like, had the information that you just said, but instead something, of, um, yeah, instead of giving me any information, he just decided to dismiss CBD altogether. So it was, it was just interesting. You know, this kind of like makes me think of a topic that I'm like riffing on and I'm trying to like create some more content around. So this isn't like fully fleshed out, but you know, to like say it just cause I think it's topical. I was asking my fiance the other day, you know, when you look at these products in the medical marijuana and recreational marijuana spaces to kind of paint the picture, I sell a product in my store that is 100 milligrams of CBD per one ml. So like a dose, like you're taking a syringe or a dropper of you know this cannabinoid, it's 100 milligrams. I personally find that 100 milligrams is like my sweet spot for sleep, recovery, kind of 40 milligrams plus, but 100 is my like, I feel the most recovered from that. And I got to that conclusion because I started with five milligrams of CBD, then 10 milligrams. And I kept pushing it to see, well, what does five milligrams of CBD do to me versus 50 milligrams versus a hundred. And I do have the luxury of playing around with doses, maybe a little bit more economically because I own a CBD business. So I'm not having to go buy all these different doses, but it kind of has got me thinking more recently, you know, if we're selling these products that are, you know, let's say 50 milligrams plus Realistically, when you're going into medical, I mean, sorry, not medical, marijuana dispensaries, you see CBD ratioed products. They're usually a one-to-one -one ratio, five milligrams CBD, five milligrams THC, or 10 milligrams CBD, 10 milligrams THC. And I'm kind of like, what does 10 milligrams do to you? <laughs> Versus like knowing I take 100 milligrams. So it is really interesting. I still am that person. When I go to legal states, you better believe I buy the ratio products. Oof, I love a microdose. I love a five milligram to five milligram, one to one. And so it kind of just came up the other day. I was like, what's the difference of me taking five milligrams in that product versus me, you know, taking my own five milligrams or 50 milligrams separately? That I don't have the answer to, but that's kind of where I'm, I'm swirling around just this idea of, from the formulation side, from the science side, what does that actually say 
about how our bodies are absorbing these different percentages of cannabinoids and what that does in your body. Because there is some research that is pretty, you know, accessible and normalized in terms of different consumption methods. They hit you differently. So if you're going to smoke something, you'll feel it faster, but the effects might fade faster versus an edible. It's going to take time to take effect, but it'll last longer. And so with that also comes bioavailability. If you're going to smoke something, you're going to absorb much more of the profile of the plant than if you eat something. And so there's definitely different bioavailabilities of how your body's absorbing these cannabinoids. And so I don't know. Again, I don't know what the answer to all that I'm sharing really is, but it's just so interesting when we're creating a marketplace for these products, it's just where there's such a big gap between what are consumers being sold to what is the education and the science around these products, to what is the knowledge of the people who are selling and packaging and productizing things, to ultimately ending in the hand of the consumer. And the consumer is like, oh my gosh, well, I got to make a decision. You know, what is five milligrams to me of THC or CBD versus 50 milligrams of THC or CBD? Because both are going to for sure affect you differently. Of course, layer on the quality, layer on the extraction method, layer on the addition of terpenes and things like that. So It's just a very interesting evolution in the industry that I'm observing where we're introducing these cannabinoids that were kind of uh, popularized because of the legality of hemp that you're now seeing being introduced into the marijuana market and sold at dispensaries. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I discovered you and your brand through researching another WorkSesh guest, Lauren from Kush Cards, and I loved her episode on your podcast, To Be Blunt. How long have you been podcasting and what made you decide to add hosting to your plate? Yes. Okay. Love Lauren. She's so inspirational, literally one of the coolest human beings and obviously has a killer brand in cannabis. So I'm so happy to hear that she was on your podcast as well. And yeah, so I kind of mentioned in my intro, my background kind of comes from corporate um, technology and marketing. And so I really love marketing and Part of my role in my corporate job was to travel around the world, really. I was very fortunate to get to do kind of like brand evangelism for this company. And with that came me going to a lot of conferences, me going to a lot of events. I evolved into public speaking and just really fell in love with experiential marketing. And so being able to kind of be in a community and kind of learn from each other and contribute ideas and to kind of like push the industry forward in that regard. And so coming from that world, it's a little bit like people are always like, oh my gosh, like you're so great at what you do. I'm like, thank you. I'm literally doing the only thing that I know how to do. Like this is just, you know, what was the nearest in my radar of like, okay, items in my tool bag, like what am I going to do? And so not that I had ever done a podcast before, but I, I say all that to lead up to, you know, I really love events and I really love in-person experiences and Prior to COVID was public speaking a considerable amount in the cannabis industry at a lot of hemp conferences and just local advocacy events and community events here in Austin and Texas. And when COVID happened, it was really like a shock to my system of, oh my God, I'm so used to being in community with these people, learning from them, sharing ideas, having these real-time conversations. And I was lacking that. And Also, I was going through a pretty tough breakup. So now I'm engaged much to a completely different man, a most wonderful man. I love my life. I love him so much. 
But uh, prior to us, I was in a relationship that had ended and kind of one of the reasons the relationship ended amongst many other things, but was he didn't understand my passion and influence with cannabis. He kind of like he knew I was a business owner, but he kind of just like downplayed it and dismissed it. And at the time I was public speaking, but at the same time, like really hadn't like stepped into like, like if you look at my social media profile now, you would be like this girl, like very clearly loves cannabis. Like my bio says it, every post is about cannabis. But if you can imagine just a couple years ago, I wasn't posting about those things. In fact, I started out online as a food blogger. And then I transitioned into lifestyle content when I was in my accident and started doing wellness and gym workouts and reviews. I was a soul cycle partner and I got to do, you know, cool events with like healthy food companies and brands and things like that. So I had this ex and he really didn't understand or like this cannabis persona that I was clearly growing into. And so when the breakup happened, I like hopefully, you know, most people realize that maybe that was meant to happen. That was not for me and something else is better. And so I did, uh, after a lot of crying, I'm not going to pretend like I didn't have a sad girl moment. I took the lemons and I made beautiful lemonade. I basically had a girlfriend who was very encouraging to me of just Shada, like, this is who you are. You love cannabis. You love marketing. You love talking to people. You love educating. Like you should do something that embraces all of that. And I remember like literally girl, it came together overnight. I remember driving in the car with my sister and just thinking of the name to be blunt. Like, Oh, if I was going to do something, what would I do? Okay. Maybe a podcast seems like relatively easy. LOL had like never podcasted before. was like, (laughs) I'm going to edit myself. Like that was a joke that I did for the first five episodes. And then I hired a podcasting team because, because I could afford it. And because also it helped me be more consistent with the podcast, but I just thought always in the back of my mind as a marketer, they always talk about marketing is the tip of the spear. Like, yes, there's sales. Yes, there's support. Yes, there's operations. But like marketing is like the first thing that people see when they're interacting with your brand. They listen to an advertisement. They, you know, see someone public speak. Like those are all attributes of that brand taking shape and form. And so for me, I really wanted to be that tip of the spear. I wanted to be blunt. I wanted to talk about things that nobody was talking about um, from my perspective around transparency, around navigating marketing challenges. And it literally was like, had idea, you know, got social media names, put it all together, you know, asked a couple of my local friends here in Austin, like shout out to like some of the other Texas pioneers because I had them on the podcast to help kind of, you know, get things started. And it really just blossomed from there. I've been so fortunate now. I just celebrated a year in June of the podcast and I just produced my 75th episode. And I've been super fortunate to talk to people like the CMO of Wana Brands and great um, representations from High Times and Leafly and all these great cannabis names and businesses, as well as getting to then kind of weave in different industry news and updates from maybe brands you aren't familiar with, but people who are making an impact and kind of learning as they go. And so philosophy of mine, yes, I'm in Texas. Yes, our cannabis laws are really slow, but I saw an opportunity to have a national conversation and kind of distill it down. And so my guests really range from all over. Obviously, Lauren, she's in Denver. 
Uh, Juan is based in Colorado. I've had people from California. I just um, interviewed someone from Portugal. We were talking about international cannabis laws and kind of what's happening with their medical market over there. So it's been truly a rewarding project to get to operate um, on behalf of my company. It is an extension of our marketing and branding, and it's an opportunity that allows me to continue to level up in the in the industry to be able to have thoughts and opinions that can help shape the future of cannabis because this industry is really fast-paced and it's really difficult to understand. I mean, navigating social media, applying for licensing, uh, knowing what the regulations are going to be. If laws change, what do you do about that? And just trying to be able to piece together stability is something that I really strive for. And so I created that for myself. And so, yeah, I've been really enjoying it and really grateful for all the opportunities the podcast has presented. And you know, I feel like I'm just getting started. So we'll see where cannabis takes us in the next, you know, year, three years, 10 years. But yeah, it's been fun to get to podcast. I definitely have also learned a lot about myself and just creating content in that medium. It's like, LOL. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to edit everything myself. And then I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like so much work to do. But yeah, it's a labor of love and, and something I'm really appreciative to get to do, as I'm sure you can relate doing podcasting yourself. It's it's fun to get to have these conversations, like connect to the human beings who are in the industry. Yes, I love it. And just like you said, too, it doesn't matter where they are, like from anywhere. And, and it's interesting to hear about what's happening with cannabis, where they are. It's it's super fun. Yeah, it's definitely interesting when you can start to realize, like kind of come out of your bubble and think, oh, I maybe am going through this you know, what feels like alone in my state or my city, but maybe hearing from someone in another state they have gone through something same, same, but different maybe a year ago or six months ago. And so you're kind of able to, I always joke like misery loves company. And I think when you're in cannabis, you really need to be confronted with the truth of the industry. If you want to play in it, like, oh my gosh, just referencing Lauren as an example, you know, I often talk on my podcast a lot too about, um, cause it's, it's, from a business perspective, people assume obviously being in cannabis equals dollar signs, right? <laughs> wrong. There is so much money that is lost, invested, you know, mistakes are made, the regulations change, you got to change your packaging or, hey, you think you can be on social media, but like, well, the rug's getting pulled out from under you. And so I start to kind of like build this framework for thinking about the industry as like plant touching, right? So I'm a plant toucher. I don't grow the plant, but I sell the plant. And so that makes me incur more oversight from a regulatory perspective than let's say someone who is just selling an ancillary product like an accountant or a lawyer. They are selling you a service that supports the industry, but they're not touching the plant. And so it's just like very different. And so I remember interviewing Lauren and kind of picking her brain being like, oh my gosh, Kush cards, you know, you sell greeting cards that obviously have cannabis on them, but your greeting cards, like what's it like to market your business? And then she's obviously telling me like the reality of man, Instagram, TikTok, they're like, you know, treating her just as if she was touching the plant, flagging her content, pulling it down. I think most recently her TikTok got pulled down for the second time and that's been a huge channel for her. So you start to kind of piece together again, this realization and understanding 
wow, well, I thought if I touched the plant, I had more risk, but it looks like even if I don't touch the plant, I equally have risk depending on how I market, how I go to market, what are all those different, you know, components and things that people maybe don't realize they need to have. All that to say, it's really just to sum up kind of the idea that there's a lot that we can learn when we start to have open conversations. And so by being able to have guests who can speak to different aspects of the industry, it ultimately makes me sharper. It's helping fill in gaps that I otherwise might've not had. And so, yeah, I just think it's, um, it's been a really great opportunity getting to put the podcast together and really, truly humble to get to meet people and connect with them and hear their stories. And yeah, grateful for everybody who tunes in and listens. It was, um, it was fun when it was growing and, you know, had a couple of listeners and now to see, you know, a couple more listeners and then a couple more. And so it's a fun little journey to get to bring people along and and get to connect with people. And so, yeah, I was just at MJ BizCon a couple of weeks ago. That was really fun for me because obviously I love events, but that was my first time going to the conference and getting to be with like cannabis people, like a cannabis conference, like truly in the marijuana industry. But the highlight for me was getting to meet people who I've either had as guests on the podcast or just like people who have been like tuning in and listening. And so, yeah, I love the opportunities that the podcast has created, but then like, I love bringing it into the real world of like, okay, Hey, you're a real person making a difference in Los Angeles, California, like go you and like being able to root that person on to continue to do the advocacy work to help, you know, shape the industry from their corner of the world. Yeah. And I loved, um, I listened to, you interviewed Garden Society at the conference and I thought that must've been super fun to have an interview like at the event. That was pretty cool. That was so crazy. Yeah. I got, um, invited by the publicist who was doing PR for MJ Unpacked, which was a newer conference. This was its first year. It was a CPG, consumer packaged goods and brand focused event. And part of the invitation to come as media was to do on-site interviews. And yeah, I, I, I don't know if you had used Garden Society prior to hearing the episode or if you'd been familiar with their brand, but... I'm familiar with the brand, but I haven't used them. Yeah, I mean, they're obviously a California-based brand, and I had just seen it through social media, but getting to sit down with one of the co-founders and get to have the excitement of the conference going on and just kind of like bring everything that I've done to life of getting to be in the industry and getting to sit down with people who are way smarter than me, who are helping pour into me so we can pour into others and just get to connect with a brand at that level was really fun. And she let me have a couple little treats and their brand is so delicious. They specialize in chocolates and like mini pre-rolls called rosettes. And like I highlighted earlier as well, you know, I'm definitely as I age easing into more micro dosing experiences. And so I really have enjoyed their products as well, but yeah, so eye opening to get to connect with different brands and just hear obviously what other industries already have kind of understood, which is you need to understand who your consumer is and speak to that consumer. And so using my example from earlier too, of like in Colorado, I still feel a little bit like weed is legal and that's kind of the attitude. Now they do have brands that have built up, but not comparatively to California, California, you really truly see these brands, these niche companies coming out, they're speaking to a target customer. And so, yeah, it's been cool to see the different ways that people have interpreted legalization to build products out and to create a go-to-market and then to deliver those products and that expectation to their customers. So thanks for listening to that episode. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah. And she was a great storyteller too. It was just, 
It was an awesome listen. She was so good. Yeah, it was so fun. Little noisy being at the show, but super, super fun. So as a marketing expert in the space, are there any tips you can share with the WorkSesh audience on how you get more brand awareness and visibility in the cannabis space? Yes, ma'am. So I would say definitely kind of riffing on my last point, you need to understand who your consumer is. I think a lot of people want to do everything and be everything in the cannabis industry, but I think we need to put our hats on to think critically about how we're building a brand for tomorrow, not just for today. And the industry is ever evolving. And so despite whatever happens from an industry perspective, you need to understand your constant. And so kind of using our own you know, brand as that example, we really leaned into education. And so being a place where customers can trust that they are going to be educated, again, not from an explicitly we are right and everything else is wrong perspective, but from a place of I want to share information with my customers. I want to empower them. And so, yes, it's difficult to be on social media platforms. You kind of pick your battles, but we are not on all of them. From a restart CBD perspective, we really play into Instagram and YouTube. I think video content is really underrepresented. Again, knowing with social media platforms, it is a little bit more difficult to play on these platforms. You can't sell, you can't show certain certain imagery, but if you're really focusing on education, then you can kind of continue to get that messaging out. Maybe it takes a little bit more creativity, but we found a lot of success in kind of cutting through the noise because we're speaking to our target customer in a way that they want to be communicated to, which is to arm them with information. So we are doing YouTube videos. I always love to highlight, you know, some of our examples because I think people sometimes struggle with like, what content do I create? Like, how do I speak to my customer? How do I get my brand messaging out there? Mm -hmm. And obviously can't speak to everybody's unique brand. You do need to understand what is your brand? What is your why? Like, who are you and what does your product serve in the market and who are you selling to? But once you figure that out, then you can be a little bit more creative. So for us, we have a newer customer set in Texas who is not familiar with uh, open market like California, for example. And so we started having a lot of customers who were asking us, you know, Hey, I'm interested in the smokable products, but like I haven't smoked in a long time or I've never smoked. And how do you like, how do you light a joint? Which to you and I might be so silly and funny, but again, to my customer base in Austin, Texas, that was really a frequently asked question. And so my sister and I literally, um, took an iPhone You know, again, I think people argue, oh, do I have to have a video crew? Do I have to have the best production equipment? Do I have to hire a photographer? You can. I'm not saying don't do those things, but start with what you have. And so we literally, she put my iPhone up to record in one direction and she was recording on her iPhone. And it was like seven minutes of me being like, this is a joint. This is the tip of the joint. This is the filter. This is how you light it. This is how you put it out. And we uploaded it to YouTube. And I think that video has over 120,000 views on our channel right now. Amazing. So yeah, super, super cool just to see again, such a simple question, like how to light a joint or how to smoke a joint, which might seem really rudimentary to one brand is actually really perfect for our brand. And so we're really big on YouTube. We're really big on Instagram. Um, we're really involved in advocating on behalf of cannabis here in Texas. So a lot of our information is also very based on regulations, law changes that our customers rely on us to help keep them informed. And so if that's part of your brand, then you obviously want to be consistent with that versus like another one that comes to mind. Um, I'm sure you're familiar with Ardent. They're a cannabis 
um, device company that allows you to bake edibles in their device. And so it's an extractor, it's a decarboxylator, and it's an, infuse, an infuser. And so you can do kind of all the functions of extraction for edibles in this device. Well, their Instagram is all about recipes. Oh, let's feature how to make this holiday thing. It's holiday coming up. Let me feature a particular, you know, recipe that's based on this particular holiday, or let's feature this customer. They made this recipe and post it. Let's repost it. So I definitely think, again, understanding your brand and business and then understanding who your customers are and how you want to speak to them and how you want to activate them on your products that's where you'll find a win. If you're constantly chasing, what are other people doing? What is my neighbor doing? What is my competition doing? I think you'll get really lost in the mix. Um, and so I think that's how we found success. And kind of the final point that I'll share is be as human as possible. I know it's really hard. You definitely see a lot of multi-state operators coming into play, a lot of big brands, a lot of outside of the industry money coming into the industry. But for us, we've really found success in promoting we're a family. We're sisters. We're women. My name is Shada. I public speak a lot. I'm the co-founder. You see my face in posts. You see my face on the website. You know that you're buying from a human. You're getting educated from a human. Um, I think that goes a long way, especially in today's day and age where we millennials, especially, obviously we care about the brands that we spend money with. We want to make sure that they align with our goals and missions as human beings in life. And when you see brands that embody who you are, what you believe in, they make you feel something. Those are the brands that you gravitate towards. And I think the underlying, you know, messages, we do business with people, not businesses. And so anytime that a business can be more human facing, maybe you have Maybe you're a founder and you don't want to be public facing, but you have an employee who loves educating, like put the spotlight on that employee. That's how I got my start with my first tech startup. The founder was very knowledgeable and well-known, but they brought me on to kind of be the face at events. That gave me this opportunity to kind of rise to the occasion. Um, also, obviously leveraging Lauren again, she's in a lot of her content. She's on her, her, you know, uh, Instagram, she's on her TikTok. She's talking about being a small business owner, supporting a women owned business that works for her brand. That might not be your brand. That might not be who you are. You might not want to get in front of a microphone like we're doing right now, or pick up a microphone on a stage like I do. But those are ways that I try to humanize my brand and connect my brand back to our community and ultimately to our consumer. So hopefully there's some inspiration in there for the listeners. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'd be surprised if someone hasn't, like, filled two pages of notes from this whole episode. That's great advice. Good. I love <laughs> it. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I say it when I mean it. I want people to reach out and engage. I really believe in the community of cannabis. And so I, I hope people are are taking the conversation that we're having and they're thinking of how it applies to where they're at in life or where they're at in their cannabis business and inspiring them to take the next step. And if they have questions along the way, obviously like make ourselves available to those people. But yeah, I always encourage people like reach out to me on social media, connect with me. Like let's ask questions and learn from each other. I just think it's, it's stupid not to take advantage of the network and the power of the network of this plant. So not badass. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so what is next for restart CBD and for the to be blunt podcast? And I think exciting coming up soon. Yeah. So my podcast, I just took an L for the best. I, 
I really just do like one-to-one like me and a guest episodes and I really want to get into more hot topics. I really want to get into more pressing industry news. I still love marketing. I love talking about the business of cannabis, but the best example I can share is just what Texas is going through with Delta 8 right now. It's getting a really bad reputation from multiple fronts and being the educator that I am, not again to say this is right or wrong, but to say let's let's take all the comments and let's address each of them with experts. And so I just published um, the first of a new segment on my podcast, which will be called The Tea Break, partially because we love a good THC break and partially because it is going to be piping hot tea. And I hope people are ready to hear more of my perspective and thoughts of the industry and how it's evolving. And yeah, so that's kind of like a new segment that I just kicked off with my last episode, which is currently live and more of those to come. I don't know what the cadence will be and things like that, but otherwise I'm very blessed. I'm booked with the podcast through the rest of the year, have some amazing guests lined up that'll be hitting the podcast and, and with restart, girl, we are trying to get through the Delta 8 debacle of the year. The state has kind of in a, in a really, um, I don't want to say the word shady, but in a really deceiving, sneaky, maybe those are equally not great words. I'll say sneaky. In a sneaky way, the state has kind of updated some wording around cannabinoids in Texas and it illegalizes Delta 8 THC. The problem is their wording also illegalizes all isomers, which encompasses CBD. So if I took that update for verbatim, then the whole market in Texas would be non-existent. Um, That's been back and forth in just he said, she said, and then ultimately a couple companies just sued the state. Um, Just two days ago, the state a judge of one of the cases filed an injunction allowing for us to continue selling Delta 8. The state could appeal that decision any day. And the next court case for it is in January 2022. So we have a couple months that we're trying to navigate and see where is Delta 8 going, but really where is the market going? And our customers are obviously confused and concerned. They love all their cannabinoids. Like I said earlier, we really try to defend all naturally occurring cannabinoids. And I believe Delta 8 is a naturally occurring cannabinoid. Even though it does go through synthesis, it is not synthetic. Synthetic would mean that it is created because it does not exist in nature and Delta 8 does naturally exist in the cannabis plant. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things, you know, I'm always open to more information, but I do have customers that I have to defend and and we are in Texas and they find a lot of relief with these products. And so making sure that I can keep those products on the shelves through the holiday season is my intention. And otherwise, yeah, we have a brick and mortar in Austin. If anybody ever is in Austin and wants to come shop CBD with us, we'd be more than happy to welcome you into our store. Otherwise, we do have an e-commerce store, restartcbd.com, and I do ship my products uh, nationwide, I should say within reason, because also there's the PACT Act. You can no longer sell vape through the mail. Um, and so certain, certain challenges that the hemp industry is navigating as we continue to fight for total legalization of this plant. So not a dull day in my life ever, but I love it that way. So yeah, thanks for um, asking me these great questions. Hopefully, uh, again, I really truly aim to be a resource for people. And so I hope that people got value out of our conversation today. Yeah, me too. Um, I do have a speed round. Do you have time for a speed round? Oh my gosh, let's speed round it. (laughs) Okay, let's do it. 
So what's your favorite song to sesh to? Oh, probably Glass Animals right now. Anything Glass Animals is like so good. I just saw them in concert too. And that was uh, like my first concert post COVID and I I soaked up every minute of it. A vibe. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Restart CBD has quite the menu. What are your top two or three items from the shop that you'd recommend? So I am, like I said earlier, a big CBD believer. And so while I do love THC, I still very much take CBD products. Um, I found my perfect dose is in the 100 milligram range. And I really do like an isolate-based oil. Some people, again, argue that isolate is not as effective as full spectrum. I argue you need to see how these different products work in your body. So I love a good pure isolated 100 milligram CBD oil. That is my nighttime ritual. And then probably secondary to that, I love a good CBD topical. I think what I love about CBD versus THC, again, is the anti-inflammation properties that it possesses. And so to me, a good CBD-based balm goes a long way. I love working out. I lift weights a lot. And so it's part of my recovery routine for sure. Awesome. Who is your dream guest for the To Be Plant podcast? Ooh, that's a good one. I had my dream guest last year. I really wanted to secure someone from Leafly. And I put it out in the ether with like two days before the end of the year. And it came through. I didn't record with her until... 2021, but I was able to have Laura Morarity, who is one of the SVPs at Leafly um, from their marketing department on the podcast. So that was really fun. I would say kind of presently speaking, I'm really hoping for maybe a Snoop Dogg would be really cool um, or a Willie Nelson, but probably kind of out of all the celebrities, I'd love an interview with Seth Rogen. So internet gods. Come on, houseplant. Oh my gosh, attract it. Put it out there. Speak it into existence, yeah. Yes. Describe your work sesh lifestyle in three words. Passionate, strategic, and chill. Nice. Yeah. And what is your biggest dream for women in cannabis? Oof, that's a hard one. You know, I just heard a really uh, unfortunate statistic. I'm going to butcher it, but it's something to the effect of, I think when we really saw legalization embark, I think there was like 40% of cannabis brands were headed up by women. And presently that number has dropped to 8%. And I know that number is true. Uh, 8% is the current stat of women in leadership positions in the cannabis industry. I hope that more women can not only survive, but thrive in the industry. I know that from personal experience, it is a man's world. And they sometimes feel very threatened by strong, independent, badass, knowledgeable women. I've been called a lot of names. And if I let that get to me, I wouldn't be here today. And so I think just leaning into your you-ness, the thing that makes you you, the spark that you bring to the table, uh, if you love education, if you love design, if you love talking to people, Those are all beautiful aspects that the industry needs all of them to be successful, right? And so just really encouraging people to step into their own, step into their self and contribute to the industry in any way that you see fit, but know that there is no time like now to be a woman in cannabis. And so I'm very proud to get to be a champion, not only as a female, but also representing a state like Texas. So absolutely. Keep it up, ladies. Yes. Well, that's all the questions I had for you. Um, I wish you best on your continued fight in Texas for thank you. Yeah, CBD and cannabis in general. Where can people find you and your brand online? 
Yeah, so my name is Shada Tarabi. I make it really easy for y'all. It's the Shada Tarabi on Instagram, theshadatarabi.com. The podcast is To Be Blunt. Um, just look up To Be Blunt Pod on Instagram, on Spotify, iTunes. I'm a personal brander, so you'll see a lot of my face. So if you see a picture of me, just look for that on any social media platform. I'm very active on LinkedIn. Connect with me there. And then Restart CBD, uh, restartcbd.com, at restartcbd on Instagram. Like I mentioned, we have a brick and mortar here in Austin, as well as e-commerce. We ship nationwide. So happy to have any conversations, whether it's marketing related or cannabinoid related. So definitely please reach out. Love to connect with the listeners for sure. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate your time. Thank you again. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on. If you listen to episode two, I put it out into the universe that I wanted to have Shada on the show. So for it to have happened, what, five episodes later is magical. There were so many gems and great takeaways from this conversation. This episode really opened my mind to the happy little California bubble I've been living in while other states are still deep in the fight for legalization. Learning that 8% stat, it just set a fire inside of me to uplift as many women in this space as possible. This was a long one, so I'll let you guys go. But if you need a hype man on your business journey, I'm here for you. Shada's here for you. Reach out. Seriously. Thank you so much for listening to the Work Sesh podcast. If this podcast gave you good vibes, spread the love and subscribe. Subscribing means you can look forward to more inspiring episodes. Please take a moment to rate and review. Follow us on Instagram at Work Sesh Podcast. Questions, comments, suggestions, or if you know someone who would love to have a podcast sesh with me, please email us at workseshpodcast at gmail.com. Stay high and keep grinding. <laughs>